The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at schmitz.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Sometimes we use this radio show for, well, our own needs. And uh, that's the case today. We've got a couple of dog trainers on. I have, uh, I know a dog, um, a dog. Uh, a friend's dog? A friend's dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The name rhymes with uh, Hadybug. And th- this dog humps me a lot, okay? It's it, a female, too. It's a female. It? And I'm very concerned about this. I, I don't know if I should stop it. You know, it's not really bothering me a lot, but I, I think it's a behavior that maybe should be stopped. And I'm going to find out today. We decided to get an amazing trainer on the chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, I think he'll know the answer to this. And he's going to let me know why Ladybug, our female dog, I'm sorry, Hadybug, <laughs> our female dog, is is humping me. I'm very concerned about this. And so he'll be on before the end of the show today. Also, we're going to talk to another trainer who's trained a bilingual dog. This dog knows more than one language. Wow, uh, that's impressive. And Spanish, yeah. Uh, he'll be on before the end of the show. Uh, in fact, this hour right here on Animal Radio. Between now and then, we'll have your calls at one 405 8405 And also, we'll do a check of the news at the bottom of the hour with Miss Lori Brooks. What are you working on for this hour? Well, uh, another state might soon be getting some of those laws that will protect pets in the event of a divorce. Big, big changes. You know what? That is such a big deal these days. In fact, I know mm-hmm. I have a friend uh, who will not... <laughs> Is her Another name friend, Hadybug? right? Yeah. <laughs> her name is Hootie. I, uh, completely different. I, I have a friend. Uh, they won't get divorced because of the animal. It's like the children. They won't get divorced because of the children, and their children happen to be animals. So it's interesting that now uh, courts are making laws to deal with custody on these animals right. and deal with that. So uh, Lori will be reporting on that in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, which one, Hootie, Judy, are we going to? <laughs> Line one. Let's take a call for Dr. Debbie, and we have Barbara on the phone. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? Well, I have a 10-year-old um, chocolate lab, and oh, he gets hot spots. Okay. And he has um, one that's, that's larger than a 50-cent piece, I guess like about a dollar, silver dollar size on the right side of his neck. Okay. Is that the only place he gets them, or does he get them other spots, too? He gets them other spots. Okay, he such as? No. He gets it on his legs, on um, his back. Okay, all right. Towards his tail. So, what have you tried so far with this fellow? Um, my neighbor gave me a spray for that she said she got from her vet for hot spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I spray that on him. 
And I was just okay. wondering if there was anything else that I could do for him. How long has he been dealing with these uh, hot spots? Well, I, um, I've had him since he was two. He's my son's ex-girlfriend's dog that I was to have temporarily until she found, a, you know, a house that would accept pets. Mm-hmm. But you see, I've had him since he was two, so he's still with me. All right. Well, when we have some ongoing issues with these type of lesions, and we call hot spots that basically because they're really hot, they're really itchy, they're red, um, they're really driving the pets crazy. So if they can lick at them or chew at them, they are gonna. And um, scratching, all of that, very much involved with a hot spot. So for me, um, if we have an ongoing problem with that or what we're trying isn't working, we really need to step up to some other therapies. The reality is with hot spots, you know, we're kind of classifying a lot of skin conditions into this kind of lump all term. There actually are a lot of different causes for hot spots, but 30% of them, one third, there's usually some underlying problem. So if you only treat them with the topical, with the spray, you're not going to get to the heart of the problem and you're not going to really solve the problem. So um, for those pets, it's very important to treat more aggressively and to get some background information, maybe do a couple skin tests, find out more about what's going on that skin surface. And there's a lot of things your vet can do um, from just pressing a uh, a microscope slide to the skin surface to take in some samples, checking for mites, checking for fleas. Those kind of things are really important. So we head down the right direction here. Okay. So that that would certainly be the thing. Now, for me, there's three main points that I, when I'm treating a hotspot, number one, I want to stop the licking. So that usually means physical help in that way. So mm-hmm. those fun little Elizabethan collars, the cones of shame um, are very important. We have to stop the pet from further traumatizing those areas. Okay. Number two is I really want to dry that skin out. And that may take something like a course of antibiotics, as well as staying away from ointments and going more to water-based or alcohol-based sprays. The third thing that I want to do is I want to stop the scratch. And that, for hot spots, um, it's the one situation where I'm pretty heavy-handed with steroids. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can go with that, injections, topicals, um, pill forms. But for me, a severe case of hot spots or what we'd call um, pyotraumatic dermatitis really needs the help of a steroid. Um, and that's assuming that the patient's health can take that. Um, right. But steroids are very important to help get that itch under control. So those three things for me are really the big thing. And the most important thing is I want to keep the skin breathing. So I don't want to cover it up. I don't want to bandage it. It may keep the bed away from it, but it's really not going to allow that to dry out. Let it breathe, if you will. So um, I like to kind of leave everything exposed so you can medicate and really monitor things closely. Um, And for me, I'd say if you haven't gotten this baby on, at least an antibiotic and seeing the vet to see if you can get something to squash that itch, um, then those would be the two main things that I would do for you. And and then, you know, if we've got more problems with this coming back, we want to look into other causes of hotspots, allergies, seasonal allergies, food-related allergies. Um, Sometimes something like an insect bite um, Mm -hmm. or a sting could kind of trigger the process. 
Um, thyroid problems, um, ear infections. Wow, my list is getting longer the more I think about this. Um, So not to overwhelm you there, Barbara, but there really are a lot of things that can go into that. So I'd encourage you to get your baby into the vet and see um, if we can get a couple of those things going for him. Okay, thank you, because I thought I could, you know, my neighbor said, oh, you could treat it yourself, just use this spray. But then when I heard your program this morning, I said, I better call in and find out. Yeah, and you know, there is certainly a small population of pets with localized hotspots where I think treating at home with a topical product is completely appropriate. But um, many of these cases, they are very deep infections in the layers of the skin. The pet's really uncomfortable, and um, there's so much more that we can do to really kind of turn things around. And if your breed of dog is a Labrador Retriever, a uh, German Shepherd, Collie, or Rottweiler, they are some of the most common dogs. Oh, I can't say Golden Retriever. i got to get them in there because they are so big with this type of problem. Um, So, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get this baby feeling better and stop that itching and scratching there. Yes. Why, thank well, you so much. I appreciate Thanks for your My call pleasure. today. one 405 8405 to connect with the Dream Team right now. Well, don't you know this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance, providing nose-to-tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat. It can be customized to fit your budget and needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. For more information, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a quote. And thanks, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's head back to the phones. We have Paul on the phones for Dr. Deb. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you guys doing? Splendid. What can we do for you? Uh, I've got a uh, 8-year-old wire hair Dotson, and over the last couple weeks, he is becoming more and more bloated. Um, he kind of looks like a, you know how a puppy looks when he has worms and stuff? Oh, sure, yeah. His belly is getting that big. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, what else is he doing? Is there anything else going on? Coughing, any vomiting, diarrhea, anything like that? No, no. He's eating and he's going out there and using the bathroom. It's just his, you know, he got into the garbage about three weeks ago. And I don't know if he could have a blockage or if he got worms from getting into the garbage. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm definitely disturbed that you're saying it's it's changing that much within that short period of time. So for me, I'm going to say, you know, I would definitely, if he were in front of me, I'd be examining him. I'd be feeling that belly, and I'd probably get an x-ray of that belly um, because that quickly of a change isn't good. Um, I would definitely want to be checking out his spleen, which is a really a heavy blood-filled organ, and that can change in size um, very quickly. So that would be something I would definitely want to look at. Now, um, there are certainly some other things that cause, you mentioned worms. Uh, Generally, I wouldn't expect it to be that dramatic, that fast of a a bloating, if you will, of of his belly. Um, Not a bad idea to do a deworming, but I think we got some bigger fish to fry here in this situation. Um, And uh, did you mention any kind of hair loss or anything else, anything going on there? No, no, he, he's uh, got all his hair. You know, he's still, you know, the happy-go-lucky bear that, you know, he acts like a puppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing, like I said, is is his belly. Uh, you know, I drive a truck, and the last time I was in was a week ago, and I was just amazed at how big his belly had gotten. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Well, I'm going to definitely tell you that personal experience here. Um, my own Labrador um, started to be a little broad in the, in the front part of his abdomen, and it you know wasn't hurting. He's still his normal self. And we actually on an ultrasound we found a, a small tumor in his spleen, but his spleen was kind of getting big as a result of having this thing in there and having to produce more new blood cells. And um, so we we actually had to address that and deal with that surgically. But the the big thing is if you're seeing this get bigger, I don't think I want to have you delay this anymore. You need to get this baby to the bat, okay? Okay. I'll, I'll do that as soon as I get home. Okay. Very good. And, and hope everything turns out okay. If you have other questions from there, let me know. Okay. Thank you. Stay safe. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Betty White. All us animal lovers love Animal Radio. Please help every way you can to make life better for our animals, like the Morris Animal Foundation does. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. And now an animal radio news brief. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. Well, in a revelation that will shock nobody in the world who's ever owned a cat, a new study has found that domestic cats are able to identify their owners' voices. But since they have evolved to know who calls the shots in the human-feline relationship, they choose not to respond to it. The study was conducted by researchers at the University of Japan, and they state domestic house cats have never depended on human voice interaction throughout their evolutionary process. Because of this, they have no real reason to respond to their owners, unlike dogs who've been dependent on their masters throughout their life. So that's why your cat's not answering you. You tell it to clean its room, it doesn't do it. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Yeah, that's right. It's Animal Radio. And this is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. We love our animals a lot. I mean, really a lot. Sometimes we even let them hump our legs with no consequences. And coming up before the end of the show today, we're going to find out why female dogs, in particular ladybug, I'm sorry, just female dogs in general, I'm not going to point out any uh, particular dog, hump legs or hump at all, because I kind of thought that was a male thing. Mm-hmm. But apparently it, it is. I always heard it was a dominance thing. Yeah. 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 It means mm-hmm. they want to dominate you or something like that. We're going to That's find what out. That's they say. My dog is a dominatrix. She is. (laughs) (laughs) You should see how she's dressed now. I think she looks good in leather. She does look good. Okay, we've really gone (laughs) over the edge. Where is this going? The show is fast and furious. We're going to talk to Nick Hoff. He's a certified professional dog trainer, not just any dog trainer. He's the chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. And we're going to find out what this whole dog humping thing is about. So if you know a dog that humps... We'll, uh, we'll tell you why in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. 
Yes, you can call us and talk about your dominatrix dogs at 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget you can also ask your question from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Also, before the end of this hour, we're going to find out about Molly. She's a bilingual chocolate lab. That's so cool. Is that cool? I don't know two languages. I don't either, yeah. And this may be an intriguing thing. It may be incredible, but uh, we may find out that it's really no big deal at all. That's on the way in just a few minutes. Did I give out too much? I think I, I said too much, didn't I? I always say too much. Lori, say something. <laughs> um, there was a lawsuit filed within the last year against the makers of Rachel Ray's Nutrish dog food. We'll tell you why that lawsuit was filed and how it recently, what the ruling came down, what it was. Because there's a couple of us here in this studio who are upset about this. Damn straight we are. Well, that's on the way in just a few minutes. And uh, let's see, a call for Joey? or is it, This is for Dr. Debbie. Okay, a call for Dr. Debbie right now. Sorry, Joey. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here for you. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Great. Yeah, we, we had a little incident a couple weeks ago where our dog, medium-sized dog, uh, decided that a rawhide chew bone was something that you devour and not chew on. Oh, and dear. and when I looked over, I could tell the dog was choking because it was thrashing its head around. Okay. So I, you know, I mean, I know how to do CP, uh, you know, CPR on a dog from the sides of the chest, but I was like dumbfounded. And I know the Heimlich for humans, but I was dumbfounded how you would do it on a dog. So I had to just dive down and stick my hand down her throat as far as I can get it. And luckily I was able to grab it and pull it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, life would have been much simpler with a Heimlich technique. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That comes into play when we have an airway obstruction lower than the mouth. So if that was in the mouth or in the upper airway, and you can reach that and access that with your hands safely without losing your fingertips, um, then that's really kind of the first step. If that doesn't work, then we move to the Heimlich. And uh, you know, in dogs, there's a lot of different techniques. You can do basically a modified human Heimlich. Um, so if you have a small to medium-sized dog, you're basically um, going to reach up under the rib cage and kind of give three to five quick motions um, thrust into the abdomen like you would for a person. Now, if it's a bigger dog and you're a big person, you can still do the same thing, although for some large dogs, it can be a little hard to kind of handle and apply those compressions. So you can uh, basically lie them on the ground and apply lateral compression to the chest and near the back end of the chest, and that can give you enough force because dogs are a little different than people. Um, We compress from the sternum when we're doing, you know, chest compression. Compressions and CPR, you press down into the chest. And in a dog, their chest doesn't really squish that way really effectively. So from the side, you can get some really good um, compressions that way in dislodging and just getting the force of that push going. So, okay. oh gosh, so scary. So, uh, well, it sounds yeah, like now you're still going to feed that. <laughs> Oh, that gets your heart going. Now, what's your uh, feeling on rawhides? I don't think it's good for uh, bigger dogs. I don't know. I mean, maybe smaller dogs, smaller mouths, they know to chew, to be chewing on it. But big dogs, I just think they, it, right now, they look at it as another bone. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are some goods and bads with that. Um, definitely the dental exercise. You know, one thing for people that love rawhides and like their dogs to get that exercise, if you're not directly supervising like you were, I would never, ever, ever feed that kind of product for your pet. Um, right. But even even with cautions, there are some other rawhide styles that might be maybe a little bit less tendency for uh, choking. And those are the compressed rawhides, which are the really heavy duty, not the chopped up rawhides that they squishing into cute little shapes, but it goes under high pressure where it's really thick and heavy and there's not those little knots on the end where they can get those little pieces caught. But that might be one other alternative that has less of a choking uh, potential for you. Okay, well, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for your call today. 1-866-405-8405. That is toll free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, another state might soon have a law that will deal with a family pet with much greater concern than they have been given in the past. In Pennsylvania, former attorney and now state representative Anita Kulik has introduced HB 1432. And that would establish, if it passes, the new areas of concern that judges would be able to consider when they're deciding guardianship of a pet in divorce cases. So if a bill passes, or this bill, a judge would then be allowed to consider whether the animal was acquired prior to or during the marriage, the daily basic needs of the animal, who gets the animal veterinary care and social interaction, who deals with regulations and, you know, things like licensing the pet, and who has the greater ability to financially support the pet. As in most other states, Pennsylvania's current laws provide absolutely no special provisions for pets in divorce cases. The bill, though, has been referred to the House Judiciary Committee in Pennsylvania for further consideration. But if you didn't know, this is not a new idea. It was a couple of years ago, back in 2017, that Alaska became the first state to require the courts to consider the well-being of pets in divorce cases. Pennsylvania laws seem to be so laxed on pets. I mean, don't, I mean, isn't Pennsylvania a big um, pet milk um, state? Yeah. It is, right? Things are changing. Things are changing. Well, that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. A federal judge has dismissed a multi-million dollar lawsuit that was filed, I think it was late last year, against Ainsworth Pet Nutrition, and Ainsworth is owned by Smuckers. And the suit was filed for alleged false and deceptive advertising of its Rachel Ray Nutrish dog food. The ruling allows the case to be refiled, though, if the complaint is modified. And the attorney says he will remodify it. The suit was filed on behalf of a a New York woman late last August, it was. And it was seeking about $5 million in damages, claiming that Ainsworth's labeling of Rachel Ray Nutrish as natural food for dogs was false, deceptive, and 
misleading because independent laboratory tests had found glyphosate, a chemical weed killer. You probably heard of Roundup, and that's what they were talking about. It's glyphosate, and that it was present in the nutrition product. So the judge said the presence of negligible amounts of glyphosate in a dog food product that do not have harmful, toxic, or carcinogenic effects is not likely to affect consumer decisions in purchasing the product, and and thus is not material. So in other words, the judge thought that it was negligible, not important. And then for the same reasons, the judge, Judge Stanton in this case, dismissed the breach of warranty claim, ruling a, a reasonable consumer, he said, would not interpret the label natural as warranting that the products contain no amount of glyphosate. But, you know, I read this story, guys, and I had to share it with you because I thought I would certainly think that any amount of Roundup or glyphosate, (laughs) generic brand, in my pet food is not natural. Uh Is it just me? I think this judge is out of touch. I think so, too. I, okay. I, I agree. I don't want any anything, especially, you know, if the label says natural, I don't expect weed killer to be in it in any amount. Right, right. Yes. I, I could not believe my ears. So maybe maybe it is Judge Stanton. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had to pass that along to you. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date on it if they do refile it. There's a, a new report from Wallet Hub that claims they have calculated the best domestic airlines for traveling with pets in You might be disappointed when you hear this because they evaluated the nine largest U.S. airlines and three regional carriers across 15 different categories. And they used last year's data from the U.S. Department of Transportation. Well, among the bunch, only Envoy Air, which is a subsidiary of American Airlines, and ExpressJet were named the best carriers to fly with pets. They tied, actually. So, you know, 10 animals died during air transportation last year, and four major U.S. uh, air carriers had at least one each pet fatality. And now four major airlines do not transport animals, including uh, JetBlue, Frontier, Southwest, and Spirit Air. And these uh, stats that you have, they're really based on putting the animals in the cargo hold. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. Neither do I. You know, if you're traveling with your animal, pay the extra money so that they can come on board with you, okay? You know, I, so many people, they try to get, get by that by uh, saying that their animal's a service animal so they won't pay that money, or they put them in the cargo hold. Silly. Would you put your child in a cargo hold? Of course not. Do you want to know something? I'll sit in a cargo hold before yes. I put my dog in. <laughs> I'm serious. Put me there and put the dog in the seat. Right, because at least you would understand where you are. Good point, Joey. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Well, hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing good, and you? Very good. I have the whole dream team here at your beck and call. Oh, I appreciate that. I've got a question about Dynavite and if there's any other supplement that would uh, take the place of it. Um... I had a dog that was 18 years old, and uh, five years prior to her passing, we put her on Dynavite. She had uh, gross tumors that uh, actually expelled herself uh, after we got her on Dynavite about six months uh, afterwards. And, and the vet was totally amazed with that and surprised that she lived as long as she did. But I've got a Situ, and then I've got a uh, mixed uh, Beagle hound dog. And... Uh, 
The Beagle is approximately 14 years old, and she's having arthritis problems with her joints and stuff. And we got her on glucosamine right now. And uh, is there anything else I can do for her to help alleviate her joint problems? Well, potentially, and there's a, there's a lot that we can do for pets that have arthritis or what we're presuming to have arthritis. And glucosamine is probably the most popular thing that we look at as a supplement form. Um, and just like people who take glucosamine, it helps to kind of restore the building blocks of cartilage and joint fluids. So that that's a very good thing for a pet that has arthritis. And I like to give that to dogs that have chronic arthritis, uh, that are recovering from an orthopedic injury. So I think that's a very sound thing. As far as other supplements, um, some people give um, omega fatty acids um, for the benefits of joint uh, help as well. And that can be very useful. So, you know, things like Dynavite have some fatty acids. So, um, you know, I can't tell you as far as what other products I would use maybe there, but uh, I think a good fatty acid product is uh, definitely something I'd look at. Maybe and then, fish oil? Yeah, basically like a fish oil. And as far as other things that we look at, you know, we have to decide at what point do just natural things help and what point do we need to look at giving, getting the pet on something more definitive to help pain. And not that I'm against supplements. I believe in them. I use them. But I like to make sure that we're being very um, abreast of what's the most important thing that this pet will need. And if a pet needs a pain reliever, I believe in giving a pain reliever. So that might be something else that we can look at in an older pet. So if she's not already on some kind of non-steroidal pain medicine, then, you know, talk to your veterinarian because I would really look at that as well to use in conjunction with some of the supplements that can be helpful. And then probably the most overlooked thing when we talk about pets and arthritis is keeping them from getting fat (laughs) and that's a very real thing that can help and so many times we can take pets off of medications that are suffering with pain if we can get them slimmed down to that of a healthy weight pet so that is always on my prescription pad for pets when we're dealing with arthritis if they're on the portly side we cut back on the rations and we do non-weight bearing activity like swimming um, or even just low-grade walking just to help uh, burn some calories there so those are some of the things I'd probably look at trying. And, uh, you know, I don't know what other kind of health issues your pet has because supplements are kind of always one of those things that it's an individual thing. I don't really give a blanket recommendation for what every pet might need. I was thinking maybe a baby aspirin a day to uh, manage no. the, the beagle. No. No? Okay. No. Yeah. There's so many better things out now than aspirin. Aspirin is a wonder drug, but there are much more specific and selective pain remedies for dogs that can spare some of the side effects. And the bad thing with aspirin with pets is that it can cause stomach ulcers, it can cause kidney-related problems, and we're not effectively treating the pain as best we can when we have some of these other side effects. So um, there's a lot of medications out there. The newer ones um, are more selective for different what we call Cox selection. Um, and I love some of the different products in use in my clinic, uh, Prevacox, uh, Rimadil, Medicam, Jeramex. There's tons. So I would talk to your veterinarian on what might be the best call for your pet and any other pre-existing conditions. But those kind of things far outweigh um, the safety margins of giving an aspirin or even, heaven forbid, something like a Tylenol, which has such a narrow uh, toxic uh, dose for pets that we try to just stay away from it. Boy, Kevin, you should have seen when you said aspirin her eyes i'd never seen her eyes get so big there you know i 
I got a shockwave through the radio or through the phone here, so I understand that. I, I really appreciate the feedback on that, man. Uh, it's been nice talking Thank with you. you. And Thanks for listening to Animal Radio. We appreciate your time. 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani. In this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Critter Cops. There's a new way to find lost pets and is becoming popular all over the USA. It's Critter Cops. You'll get huge media blasts of thousands of people about your lost pet. And they also offer specialized services for stolen pets. Try the new way to find lost pets and increase your chances of a reunion. Visit CritterCops.net. Thanks, Critter Cops, for underwriting Animal Radio. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The mid-engine Corvette will officially debut on July 18th, with production beginning in late 2019. Many of the details are unknown, but pricing is expected to start at sixty dollars to $70,000 and could cost as much as $170,000. As for the engine in the top models, twin-turbo SS 5.5-liter V8 with 850 horsepower is likely, while other rumors hint at 1,000 horsepower. To find your new car, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Our auto expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Hi, this is Justin Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. And we head to the phones right now where we have Guillermo Roa, also known as Memo, I believe. Is that correct, Guillermo? That's correct. How are you today? Very good. How are you doing? Uh, so far, good. The raining day, but everything else, perfect. Okay, okay. Well, so I just found out about you. Uh, I understand you're a certified trainer, dog trainer, and you uh, escaped Colombia, came to the United States, and you train dogs, basically, right? Basically, yes, that's true. I come, I, I come from Colombia. Like next month, want to be twenty years. Wow! Looking for, looking for better opportunities and and try the the find some better life over here for my kids and my life. Yeah. So I understand that you uh, train a bilingual chocolate lab named Molly. Is that correct? That's correct. That's my girlfriend, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, yes. now, why did Molly need to know two languages? That's a fun. It's, 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 a, it's a fun history to tell you because when I was hired for teaching her, for training her, and basic obedience, I always went to to my clan June, and I explained everything in English. Blah blah blah. The seeds, the calm, the down and explain what you have to do with the dog. But when I go outside with the dog and train only Molly and me, you know, uh, it's easy for me to speak my own language. So I always spoke with Molly in, in Spanish. And someday, June asked me, hey, Memo, the dog, sometimes when my housekeeper talks to her in Spanish, the dog is listening very well. Do you speak with her in Spanish? I say, yes. So she said to me, so she understand English and Spanish. I said, yes, it's correct. And she asked me to show her. And was a big surprise for her. She can't believe that happened. And she laughing 
and tell everybody, oh, my dog speaks two languages. <laughs> and, and that was great. And from that moment, I start talk to Molly in, in both languages, no? And, of course, I am not going to knock this at all. Being bilingual is great. But in reality, the dog doesn't know the difference between the languages, right? No, and that's actually what I was going to say is that I commonly have patients come in that speak a different language to their animals because that's their culture. And um, it's really the cues that the animal learns with the language that is spoken. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Uh, dogs in special, I know a lot about dogs in this case. When when you use the verbal commands and when you use your body language, the dog is going to learn easier by your body language. So all the time when you are from the uh, dog and you say sit or you say siéntate or you say down, échate, pretty much when you mention the cues, you move your body and the dog is listening to your body. So no matter what language or what sounds coming from your mouth, if the dog is looking at you, he's going to understand what you try to say, no matter what ling- uh, language you use. Excuse me, the reason that Molly is uh, really exceptional is because Molly is certified many times over and is a service therapy dog, right? That's correct. What kind of service does Molly do? Oh, Molly is like a service dog is like the name you, you mentioned. We go and be service on some people that need help, they need confidence, they need compassion, they need help, they need company. We go to those places and we bring Molly over there. And it's funny and it's, it's not funny, it's, it's great to you find some people, they wait for Molly and when they see an animal come, they change the face and you can see how happy they are. Oh yeah. But when they find out for some reason, I use my Spanish also. They look at me and they say, really? <laughs> the dog is speaking Spanish? <laughs> so I'm not going to say no. I say, yes, of course. Come Talk on. to her in Spanish. So she'll and, go to, um, what, the Covenant House and the Bethany House? What 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 are those uh, facilities? Okay. We we go in Covenant House in, in, a, in a city. Is the people you find out with their is uh, very particular because they are abused people, homeless people, people that somehow need the company and the direction of somebody else. And we go that way. Uh, also, we're going to YAI. And over there, this is in Long Island. I live in Long Island, New York. So to Covenant House, we go to the city. YAI is in Long Island is for autism kids. I don't know if I say good the word is for the, special, the the kids they have special attention because they they live in their own lives and we bring the dog there. Did I answer your question? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's amazing work Molly is doing. You too. Oh yes, you know, and 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 and, and that's the idea to to help to help and have fun, you know? 
Well, I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And next time you see Molly, give her a big old hug from all of us, will you? Believe me, I will. That want to be my pleasure, and she want to be so glad to have those kisses from you guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Take care now. Have thank a great you. day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Elaine Boozler on Animal Radio. Stay new to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dog, Annie. She's healthy now, but recently she broke her leg and I had to rush her to the vet. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. They covered her surgery and reimbursed the claim quickly. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses that you can personalize to fit your budget. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a free quote. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Visit EmbracePetInsurance.com for coverage details. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And there is nothing more embarrassing than having some guests or some friends over and your dog goes over and uh, humps them or, you know, sniffs their crotch, all of that kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. And it when is. You, when you try to get them uh, to get down, you know, sometimes you may be actually reinforcing that behavior by giving them attention. And we're going to find out today what that humping's about. In particular, why do female dogs hump? And that's before the end of the hour right here on Animal Radio. I'm sorry. I, I sort of let the cat or the dog out of the bag earlier. Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, she, she does this when friends come over. And uh, it's a little embarrassing. It's embarrassing especially because... Uh, I do a radio show on animals, <laughs> and I probably should know how to control my humping dog, uh, but I don't. And today, but I'm going to get it under control. Today, we have an expert coming on. We have Nick Hoff. He is a not only a dog trainer, but the chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, the top dog over wow. there. Wow! Yeah. So hopefully, he'll help me figure out why my dog is humping my guests when they come over. I want to put it. I want to nip it in the bud right now. Okay. Three oh. years later. <laughs> 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 If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani, 1-866-405-8405, or you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And uh, we'll go to the phones in just a couple of seconds. If you're new to Animal Radio, at the bottom of the hour, we do a news check. All the news, all the animal news you could use. And that's with Miss Lori Brooks. What are you working on for this hour? Well, I was stunned with this story that I'm going to share with you coming up. Um, Walmart is going to be doing something huge, like, can you see my arms, really Whoa. big in the pet world. That might affect you and your pet. I mean, something that you would go to Walmart for blew me out of the water. Okay, that is on the way right here on Animal Radio. Uh, which one, Judy? Two? We're going to go line three. Three, okay. Well, good morning, good afternoon. Kathy, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. It's a little rainy here today. Where's here? Pennsylvania. Pencil- we were just talking about Pennsylvania. Things are changing in Pennsylvania for the animals. They're, they're becoming better, aren't they? What do you mean? I, I think they're changing some laws there to, to make it better for animals. Oh, yes, yes. They're not allowed to be tied out and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but they do still find, uh, like, the farms where they breed them over yeah. and over. And 
still do find terrible stories out every now and then. Yeah, I hear about those occasionally. But things are things are changing. So what's going on? I have the whole team here for you. Well, that's great. <laughs> I'm a little disturbed because I have the cutest little kitty, which I called Nutmeg. I had her for eight months. And she wasn't getting very, uh, putting much weight on because she had a vomiting problem since she was little. Um, mm. She was born in October, yes. And she'd eat. She had a great appetite, but then after a while she would throw it up. I had her on kitten milk, and uh, all she would eat was Sheba food. It's real clear and smooth. Okay. It wasn't lumpy or anything. So uh, I went to a veterinarian. They couldn't find out what was wrong with her. I was at my wit's end. All she told me was she's surmising that she has what only puppies get usually, uh, or an artery wrapped around her esophagus. But I had an X-ray, mm-hmm. and there wasn't anything seen wrapped around her esophagus. And she wanted me to get a seventeen hundred dollar test, which is at Valley Central. And there's a like an emergency hospital now in Allentown, Pennsylvania, okay. where they send you if you have a major problem with your animal. Uh, now it's brand new, and I uh, hear it's taken over, but it's like if you have the money, it's fine. But mm-hmm. um, but anyway, okay. I went for another opinion to this uh, new veterinarian in, uh, up near the Poconos, and uh, he, took a full, he told me he was going to take her in the back room for a full-bodied x-ray, which he did, and clip her nails, which they were getting along again. And but when he came out, he told me he gave her a steroid injection, which he didn't ask me about. And four days later, when I brought her home, she died in the morning on Friday morning. I took her Tuesday. She died Friday morning and she really suffered. Uh, Mm. And I couldn't uh, I knew by the time I would have got her to a veterinarian to put her down, she would already been passed because the it, the trip there was already hard enough on her because uh, he was saying she had asthma in her lungs. Mm. It did look like she had a case of asthma. Nobody told me that before, but I I think the injection did her in. It was Dex Depo, mm. and it was um, Depo Medrol, probably. Yeah, he said it was a steroid injection, yeah. and he gave her one point five zero, which mm-hmm. she only weighed four point three ounces pounds. Mm. Okay. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry. What, what a sad. Oh, sad it, I tried for two days, and I still. She was like my shadow. She was like the sunshine in my life. She was mm-hmm. smart. She went in the little bo- litter box when she was teeny tiny little baby. I didn't even have to do anything. She was like so mm-hmm. smart. I have many cats already in my life, but she was just. You know how you get those Aww. special ones every now and then. What kind of kitty was she? Was she any special breed or just a domestic short hair? Um. She was a, a short hair. She was a very, what I'm told, they're very good mousers. Uh, she she was black with orange on her. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Kathy, I you know it's, it's always hard to second guess and look at a situation. You know, with the you know time passing and also you know the distance of you know not not being around your kitty or being the treating veterinarian. But there are some things that I would say just you know do come to mind. And one of the first things is that. When veterinarians, when we talk about the causes of problems that a kitten might have um, versus an adult cat, there's different kind of uh, rule outs that we consider. So one big difference is, you know, okay, your kitty's age was very young and you're saying that she's had a vomiting problem since she was a young kitten. Um, that that fine, paints though. a little bit. She would, she would play and everything. She was mm-hmm. happy. 
Yeah. So, but vomiting from a young age on is a different kind of situation than say we have an eight-year-old cat that starts vomiting. So that kind of helps me kind of kind of zone in on the things that might be um, contributing to what happened. So I tend to agree with your first veterinarian that the concern would be that she had perhaps some kind of esophageal problem. And what sounds what they were describing was actually um, a PRAA, which is a um, persistent right aortic arch. And it is a fetal blood vessel that just doesn't go away in some animals. And it's an inherited problem. Uh, we see it in dogs, but also in cats. And what that means is that actually can constrict over the esophagus. So to some point, um, they may be able to eat and drink and get the sustenance they need, but eventually a, a puppy or a kitten with this problem will not thrive, and um, they will just continue to go down uh, downhill. The problem is that as this little vessel constricts over the esophagus, the esophagus is the food tube, so things have to go through, and if it's constricted, that means that food and water sits in the esophagus, kind of in the throat area, and then it doesn't take a whole lot with a little bit of movement and up it comes. When that happens, you get the lack of the nutrients going in. So we get skinny animals, but they're very hungry and they're so hungry. They just can't gain the weight because the the nutrients don't get in. The other thing that can happen is that because the esophagus is so mushy, if you will, um, that food and liquid in the esophagus can actually be aspirated into the lungs and that can lead to aspiration pneumonia, which causes respiratory problems, coughing, trouble breathing, uh, sometimes fever. Um, so that actually can be a consequence of the condition um, if, we're, if we're to that point. Now, uh, you know, your veterinarian may have gotten as far as they could. They did x-rays. Sometimes we'll do a barium swallow. So we take regular x-rays. We give a pet a little bit of food with some barium in it, and then we take other x-rays. Um, sometimes that doesn't pick it up, and we do have to see a specialist, and they'll either have to do um, a contrast CT or an MRI. And, yeah, when you're talking about big bucks, $1,500, that's probably what they had kind of thinking. So, you know, I think you're, it's, it's very sad, you know, that the second veterinary vid- visit, you know, led to her demise so quickly after that. But I think the, I guess, looking back, um, the course of a kitty or a puppy that has this condition and that is failing to thrive and not doing well, they do not survive without surgery. Um, it's um, eventually they're put down because uh, they can't gain weight. They develop aspiration pneumonia and they really just kind of go downhill so badly. So um, I know it doesn't help in the pain of the loss and in the manner in which you lost her, but um, I would say that, you know, knowing that surgery is really the only thing that can fix this type of thing. Um, we don't even recommend long-term medical management for it because the animals just don't do well. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't he have asked me before he injected her in the back room with a steroid shot? Well, you know, I, I can't, I can't comment on, you know, what he did or what he didn't do. Um, but what I can tell you is that, you know, part of a veterinary visit is, um, a two-way street. <laughs> so we, we definitely, as a veterinarian, we have our opinion and our recommendations and that should be validated and approved by the pet owner. Um, I mean, I guess that would be a conversation to have with that office about, um, the situation. Well, I plan on it, but I haven't been able to get a hold of them since, but, uh, I, she didn't aspirate or any of that, blowing the stuff out of her nose until after he gave her the shot. Then she went downhill quite drastically mm. and did suffer a terrible death. But 
I feel betrayed because I feel he should have talked it over with me instead of giving her that shot when he took her in the back room only to give her an x-ray and trim her nails. I feel betrayed. Sure. And I'm there for that. Yeah. I feel betrayed. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I completely well, understand. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's an important thing, um, you know, for you as a, you know, pet owner and a veterinary client to have that conversation and you know whether it's reaching out to him or someone else at the office you know i think that is important and and hopefully once you do that you can have some closure and um uh, recognize you did the best that you could for her i think that was a large amount for her uh 1.50 Um, It it really depends if we're talking milligrams, milliliters, um, and, you know, doses for cats for Depomedrol, um, you know, and that's where I can't comment on her dose and making sure it was the product that I'm thinking it was that he used. Um, So I I really couldn't speculate on that. Thank you, Kathy, for calling today. Our heart goes out to you. Uh, Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team right now. Well, this scrumptious portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You could learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. Want to find out if you're pregnant? Get a beagle. Zoos around the country are soon going to find out whether a beagle named Elvis can let them know when their polar bears are pregnant. The two-year-old has been specially trained for a year by a Kansas handler who's taught dogs to sniff out everything from explosives to bed bugs. Confirming pregnancies of the massive bears, a threatened species, has been pretty tough, and zoo officials say knowing can help make sure that they can help the mama bears ready for birthing and raising cubs. They separate them from the males, they get them into dens with extra bedding, they step up video camera monitoring, and they line up staff and volunteers for 24-hour cub watches later. It's always nice to know in advance, said Randy Meyerson of the Toledo Zoo. She praised the Beagle Project as thinking outside the box to provide a potentially important new tool. It's non-invasive and it's simple for zookeepers who pick up fecal samples for Elvis to check out. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Radio, we try to help you with your animals. We don't have all the answers, but uh, you know, we'll make them up if we don't have. No, we don't do that. If we, if you have no, a question we, and we don't know the answer, we'll actually go research it. We'll get the expert, the best expert in the world, to help you with those questions. And uh, I'm actually going to use this multi-million dollar show to this this hundred dollar show today to <laughs> okay to, fifty bucks. To, yeah, to find out exactly why Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, who 
generally acts pretty good most of the time. Why she is humping my friend's legs when they come over? Because it's embarrassing for me. Uh, and I can't really control it. And you would think that I would know the answer. We're going to find out the answer with Nick Hoff. He's a certified professional dog trainer and the top dog at the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. He will tell us why female dogs hump. And I will hopefully put an end to that. That's on the way in just a few minutes. Lori Brooks, what are you working on? Well, there's a, a new piece of research out that reinforces how dogs or pets, any kind of pet actually, uh, cat or a dog helps to rid loneliness from people who are really susceptible to it especially those in our, our older communities wow and the- Wal- walmart is going to be entering the world of pet care in a much bigger way than the things they have for sale down aisle number two wait, wait, so, let me just back up here there's research that says pets help with loneliness mm-hmm. i just are you sure that's right do they get paid to do that? The, the research? Did they get paid? <laughs> yeah. Is it, was there a lot of money put into that study there? Yeah. Actually, um, Habri was part of it, and they're a group that we refer to often. They do um, a lot of information, anything. But it was also in conjunction with Mars Pet Care. But come on. I mean, aren't you less lonely because of your pets? Yeah, but yeah. do I need a study to tell me that? Most no, definitely. I, think- I thought that was a gimme, Yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying, but I think when you say almost anything these days, you should back it up with science. Damn straight. Be- because there's the internet out there, and they say anything. So yeah. you're- you don't want any fake news. We certainly, right. we yeah. And that would be, I mean, could you imagine that if that wasn't true? Uh, anyway, uh, that's on the way in just a few minutes. Can we go to the phones, please? Save us. Hi, Teresa. How are you? Good. How are you? Where are you today? I'm in Virginia. Ooh, that's a beautiful state. It's for lovers. Did you know that? I heard that. (laughs) Dr. Debbie's right here. How can we help you? Um, I have um, two German Shepherds and a mixed dog, and um, a neighbor of mine raises cattle, and I buy grass-fed beef from her, and she gave me some uncooked um, bones for them that have the marrow in them, and I was wondering if it's okay to give it to them. Okay. My opinion, I do not like to feed bones to dogs. And I'm going to have probably a million people calling up and saying, Doc Debbie, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been feeding my dog bones their whole life, and they're great. Um, The big problem I have with bones isn't so much, you know, whether it's cooked or uncooked. It's just the fact that bones are very strong, and dogs' enamel of their teeth, it does not compete when it comes to bones. So we'll often get a lot of cracked teeth, which can lead to open teeth and root canals and things like that so i'm really not a fan of just giving them the the cow bones themselves the other risk we run into also you know would be foodborne illness um getting bacterial infections and so forth um as well as the good old bone piece that gets stuck in the throat or in the gut or where have you and um causes you know emergency surgery and so forth so I personally am not a fan of that. Um, There are people that believe in the raw diets, and that is part of the cornerstone of that. Um, I just don't fall in that nutritionally, and professionally, I can tell you I've I've seen many pets suffer, not all survive, um, coming up face-to-face with bones. So my best advice is stay away. Okay, thank you very much. That was a pretty simple right. answer. There you go, Teresa. Thanks for your call at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. What about that uh, compressed rawhide stuff? Is that okay for them? Yeah, you know, I'm a, a real big fan of that. And anything we give our dogs to chew, the important thing is supervision is 
always, always, always important. Uh, but the compressed rawhide, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's that nice uh, big pieces of rawhide that they compress with high pressure so that you don't have those little slipped edges or the soft parts, and it holds up really well, especially to the large dogs. So for my Labradors, the compressed rawhides last uh, many hours versus uh 15 minutes with the other stuff. What do you recommend for dogs that just like to chew on something? That like to chew. It depends on their jaw strength and what breeds. Now, some smaller breeds um, can do very well with some of the uh, the rope bone type uh, toys. That gives them something to chew on. They have a lot of fun with that. Now, when you get to a larger, more destructive dog, they can ingest that. So you have to watch their toys a little more. So for large breeds, I'll tend to look at things that are nice, heavy-duty, um, rubber-style, not any of that soft vinyl stuff. And um, the Kong toys, um, a lot of the heavier Buddha bones are very good. And then the compressed rawhide is probably one of the more edible things that I like to go to. The whole Dream Team's here. one 405 8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie, your dog father, Joey Villani. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Ford unveiled the 2020 Mustang Shelby GT500 in January, and it will be the most powerful Ford ever built. Ford has not revealed the exact power output. They say it will make more than 700 horsepower. The GT500 engine will have plenty of unique parts, including a cross-plane crankshaft and a massive 2.6-liter Eaton supercharger. You can expect more information on the Shelby GT500 by the third quarter of this year. To find your new Ford, go to ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Walmart is opening up dozens more veterinary clinics in its stores and launching its first online pet pharmacy. They're hoping to lure in more of us pet parents. I didn't even know before I got this press release that Walmart had any veterinary services in their stores, but me neither. Uh, I never yeah, heard of that. They already have 21 in six different states, but over the next uh, year or so, they will increase that number to 100 veterinary clinics in store and they're going to start by opening nine new clinics in the dallas fort worth area this month and next month walmart will also soon be launching that online pet pharmacy filling prescriptions for not just dogs and cats but it's going large also for horses and other livestock the new york state attorney general's office now investigating a pet store that says it lied to potential customers about where they got their animals So this store, it's called Puppies and Kittens in Hartsdale, New York, advertised that it only dealt with certified breeders when it was selling animals from large-scale commercial mills. In reality, uh, the Attorney General's office launched an investigation, though, into the store last year after multiple complaints from people who had bought pets from the store that required treatment of illnesses which are commonly associated with animals bred at puppy mills like kennel cough and giardia and distemper and parvo. So they did end up settling this out of court as part of the settlement. The store is now prohibited from making false representations about where they get their animals and they have to pay a $7,500 penalty. But I think the point of this story is if you do buy a pet, which many people do, and it does come down with problems and, you know, and you suspect something is off, you should report it because without that having been reported before with those other animals that did come down sick, 
um, they wouldn't have had much of a case, but they had something to go back on here. Owning a pet increases human interaction and combats the increasing health concerns around loneliness, according to researchers who recently presented their findings at the first summit on social isolation and companion animals. It was put on by Mars Pet Care and the Human Animal Bond Research Institute, what we usually call HABRI here. Among their findings, more than half of respondents say their pets help them connect with other people. I find that a lot, just walking my dog around the neighborhood. 51% of people said their pets make them feel less shy. About one in four pet owners said that they got a pet because they know it's good for mental health as well as physical health. And more than half of people over age 55 said that they got their pet for that exact reason. 73% of those surveyed believe nursing homes and long-term assisted living facilities should also have some type of pet interaction available for their patients and people who live there. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A dog owner in Scotland wasn't sure what to make of his dog's rattling stomach. When Chris Morrison took his dog Oscar to the vet, he had no idea what was wrong with his five-year-old lab. The vet suspected Oscar might have eaten something other than dog food, but when he went into his stomach, he was stunned. Vet Bob Hesketh found 13 golf balls. One of them was black from having been inside Oscar for so long. Oscar's owner explained that he and Oscar loved to take long walks on the golf course at night and in the early morning. He knew Oscar liked golf balls and enjoyed bringing them home. He had no idea he was swallowing them. Oscar's now on a diet of watered-down food until his stomach heals, and although he can still go for walks on the golf course, he wears a muzzle as part of his no-golf-ball diet. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani, uh, the number is 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And I got to say, you know, a lot of people think that we have our animals under control here at Animal Radio because, you know, we're Animal Radio. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So, yeah, so far from the truth, yeah. We, <laughs> we have the worst dogs yeah. here. Uh, what is that, the carpenter's cabinets or the shoemaker's shoes? Yeah. And I have a humping problem. Uh, not me. <laughs> I just want to point that out right now. It's uh, one of the next-door neighbor dogs, and a female dog. Which I, I think is interesting. Okay, how, how quit, let's just is say it, it. It's do, not the friend you're talking about. <laughs> it's Ladybug the stunt dog here. Let's just cut to the chase. Okay, Ladybug the studio stunt dog uh, humps my legs. And I figured we'd get the professional, the certified professional. So I looked for somebody that had the most initials after their name. <laughs> and I found Nick Hoff. He's a professional dog trainer, CPDT. Dash K A C B C C K A K P A C T P C S A T, and that seemed like wow, uh, which is totally by coincidence 
my Netflix password. Yeah, that's. I'm thinking this guy must know a lot. So we got Nick Hoff on the phone. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well about yourself. Very good. Thank you. But I am very concerned about Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. Why? You know, I understand why male dogs might hump, but I, I don't get this whole female humping thing. What's that about? There can be some uh, different reasons why female dogs might hump. So one of the things whenever we're looking at any kind of behavioral issue um, or thing that we're looking to change, we always want to look at the context of the behavior and try to figure out what seems to be fueling it or motivating that behavior. Um, but some of the different common reasons why I've seen and come across female dogs that hump um, may be due to just getting overexcited and aroused, um, not necessarily in a, a sexual capacity, just the excitement of certain situations uh, can cause that to happen. Um, we can also see it from some dogs as a stress response or reaction um, and maybe some other reasons as well. Mm. See, my dog, when I play with her, she has a stuffed animal and I play with her and throw it and she runs and brings it back and, you know, wants to do run again and then I throw it and she'll go over there and grab it and she'll start humping it. Mm -hmm. That sounds like the kind of situation where she's getting more excitable and that's resulting in her kind of behavior pattern in her brain just telling her, hey, you should start gyrating a little bit. Maybe sure. that'll help. That, that, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't mean she's trying to dominate her toy. No, no, not at all. So um, we sometimes do see mounting um, as it relates to some kind of assertive behavior. But very often, at least in my experience, um, if we are looking at a dog who is trying to assert themselves, that's actually usually going to be devoid of the humping action. It's usually going to be just the mounting itself. And it looks very different oh. from a dog who is just excitable. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, does spaying or neutering, uh, I guess in, in this particular situation, spaying make a difference? In my experience, it does not. Um, uh, most of the dogs that I've met who are humpers, do uh, female dogs, do tend to be spayed. But I think that's just because the vast majority of dogs that I work with tend to be altered. Um, I uh, had two female dogs uh, who would do this quite a lot, especially whenever I would have guests over, which was great for a trainer. Um, and so anytime. <laughs> Anytime anyone would come over, they would just be so excited, so happy at having someone over that they would sort of turn on each other and just start humping each other a little bit. <laughs> when uh, Ladybug does this, should I uh, stop her? Absolutely. You can definitely um, redirect and try to interrupt this behavior. So in the case with my two dogs at the time, um, I looked at it and for me, in my perspective, it wasn't an issue. They weren't um, upsetting one another. It wasn't causing any other issues. Um, and it didn't really particularly bother me. So I didn't worry about trying to interrupt it. But certainly when your dog is doing that to a guest, yeah. Um, or to you, that can be quite embarrassing and uncomfortable. And so certainly we can try to um, interrupt it and redirect it. Um, I often try to uh, figure out if I can predict that it's going to happen and try to be proactive with my training. So, for example, with my own dogs, when I had someone come over, um, something really simple I could have done would have been to ask my two female dogs to do maybe a down stay on their bed 
while the guest came in and got settled down. Um, so by preemptively asking your dog to do uh, something that you'd like them to do, maybe that's sit, lay down, uh, fetch, um, then you are telling the dog what you'd like them to do in that moment as opposed to waiting for them to begin the inappropriate behavior and then you're trying to redirect it. One thing that can happen from time to time is when we make a point of trying to stop a behavior that we don't want, um, if we uh, if that becomes an easy way to get attention, oh. um, then it can become a learned behavior and a little trick oh. to get mm-hmm. what they want because they go, oh, well, if you ignore me, if I hump you, that gets your attention immediately. <laughs> We are with Nick Hoff. He is the chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, and we're talking about humping and mounting. And Dr. Debbie, I know you're jumping up and down like you have a question. You're going to have to hold on just for one sec. Either you, either right. you have to go to the bathroom or you have a question. Hold on for one second, okay? It's Animal Radio. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. (laughs) Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-311-2199. 800-311-2199. That's 800-311-2199. at the Red Barn Studios. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and we are with the chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers, a guy who has a lot of initials after his name, Nick Hoff, a certified professional dog trainer and we're talking about mounting and humping and Dr. Debbie, you had something? Nick, I have a question. So kind of going back to the mounting versus the humping behaviors, you know, as a veterinarian, sometimes, you know, we do hear stories um, where my clients will say, oh, my my dog is starting to um, mount the children or my wife. How, how do you counsel them to say, you know, could this be a precursor to a more of a, a dominant situation, something we need to intervene for the sake of the household uh, harmony versus it's, oh, just dismiss it. It's kind of a playful thing. Sure. Well, um, for most people, um, we're probably going to go always into counseling on how we can work to change that behavior, um, regardless of whether it is mounting, uh, which may be more concerning, um, versus humping, um, because most families aren't going to want that behavior regardless of what the motivation is. 
Um, what we as professionals should try to uh, suss out is um, can we get a little more information about uh, the context or what the behavior looks like to figure that out, and that can help us. So we could ask questions such as when your dog uh, mounts, is it um, uh, gyrating or just holding still? Um, is it uh, in exciting situations? Does it cause you concern? Um, and is your dog able to be redirected or interrupted from this behavior? And if not, what happens when you try to interrupt them? So, for example, if you had a dog who was maybe mounting in a little bit more of a concerning behavior, if you tried to interrupt them or redirect them, we might find that the dog may kind of respond a little bit aggressively um, in response mm -hmm. to that. And that would be a very clear signal that we want to get a professional in there um, who can help to uh, uh, assess the situation and give proper and appropriate advice to prevent that from escalating into a more concerning issue. Great. Good to know. Okay. Nick Hoff, he's a, he's a certified professional dog trainer and the chair of the Association of Professional Dog Trainers joining us. If people want to learn more, is there a website? Absolutely, yeah. If you'd like to learn more about our association, um, you can visit our website at www.apdt.com. That's the Association of Professional Dog Trainers. And we have great information on um, general training issues, great resources for finding trainers to help you with any issues that you might be having. And it's a good resource for pet owners, pet professionals, and um, pet trainers. Sounds good. We'll put links over at animalradio.pet to everything that Nick has just said, including a transcript of this, if you want to check it out. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Hey, Veronica, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. How you guys been? Good. Where are you? I'm calling from Encino, California. Lovely L.A. area, if I might say so myself. What's going on? I hope everything's okay. Yes. I have a 17-year-old cat, and she has all of a sudden she's been starting to throw up a clear liquid, nothing. Um, I ended up putting her inside of the kitchen area so she wouldn't only have access there. And I observed her for about a period of 24 hours. She stopped. But I'm still a little concerned if I should take her to the vet or not. Okay. And the vomiting, you said it only was going on for 24 hours. Does she have bouts of this from time to time or is this a kind of a single episode? No, she had several, several times where she was throwing up. Okay. Well, for a kitty that's 17 years old, vomiting can be a somewhat vague sign that we can see with a lot of different problems. If you were to tell me this was a maybe a five-year-old kitty, I might say, ah, maybe not a big deal. But in a 17-year-old kitty, it definitely can be a signal that there's something else awry, whether it is a digestive-related problem or if it's completely unrelated to the digestive tract. And in, for an instance, um, sometimes cats with kidney disease will start to have vomiting uh, or even and last, loss of appetite. So that would be something we wouldn't know necessarily unless we actually did a thorough exam and maybe even some lab work um, to determine that. Um, but for me, if you haven't had the kitty in in the last maybe three months to a veterinarian, I, I would certainly say I think it's going to be a wise thing to do and just to have her checked out and to see, make sure everything's okay. It, does she have any other ongoing or other health problems that they're managing? You know, you know what? And uh, what I ended up doing, because she wasn't drinking too, so I ended up feeding her I got a little dropper and giving her a lot of liquid because my concern was for her to, because she's older, to get dehydrated. 
Exactly. And with a dropper, I was um, giving her a lot of water, and that kind of helped. But I'm still going to take her to the vent then to have yeah. her. I, I would, and, and definitely cats over 10 years, one of the number one things that we see when they come into the veterinary office, we might not see it on physical exam, but if we run lab work, one of the top problems is kidney disease, and they can have a, de- a gradual deterioration in that kidney function, so um, that's something that I would not be surprised if you had a little bit of that going on, um, so yeah, yeah i definitely get her, get her checked out. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call, Veronica. Have a great day. Okay, it's time for us to get on... Get your dog off my leg. It's time for us to get out of here. She wants a walk. Is that what she wants? Yeah. Okay, let's go take excited. her for a walk. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us today. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry and have yourself a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.